These last uh, two or three weeks, we've been talking about our homes and talking about the sense of belonging, the, the home factor where we live, where we go to church, in our community, and uh, what God desires for us in that way. And we're going to continue to talk about that for the next few weeks. Some of the things we're going to talk about in upcoming weeks include marriage, uh, parents and kids, and uh, we're going to talk about also the need for, for children who don't have homes to be placed in homes and, and the God's desire for that, that to happen. But today we're going to address a subject that I've never tried to take head on in a sermon in my 25 years of ministry. Uh, part of that is because I've always felt like I really can't speak to it personally with a lot of authority. Because today we're going to talk about being single and kind of how we need to understand that as a church body and as a family of God. And the honest truth is, I've never been single because uh, I got married when I was 21 years old. And I just, you know, I just don't consider my time before that of what you'd call being single. I think when you're 19 or 20 and you're not married, you're just a kid. You're not single, you know, you're just young. And, and that's just kind of the territory. So no offense to those of you that might be younger than that. And on your Facebook status, it says single. I don't mean to offend you in any way uh, or, or imply that you're not looking for a relationship or uh, something like that. But I've just never been, I don't really consider that I could speak with any authority and experience in that in my life and that it might not come off as authentic. So I asked someone a few weeks ago as we were looking ahead to this, I asked someone that, that, that I respect and, and love deeply and uh, believe in so much who can speak to this uh, very, very well. And she's a, a great friend to me and so many in this church. Her name is Diane Graves, and she's going to help me with this message today. But I first want you to watch a little bit of Diane's story. There I was, a young divorced mother of two children. I was now completely in charge of a house, a yard, a car, our income and expenses. Thank God for my daddy and brother. My stepmom gave me $100 to start my own bank account. I hadn't even thought of that. People didn't know what to say and often did and said inappropriate things. Sometimes there were even hurtful words. My heart had been shattered and my whole being was traumatized. I could hardly function. My kids' hearts were sad and confused. Thank God for loving grandparents from my family and from his family. The first caretaker for my kids when I went back to work was my kids' father's grandmother. God is so good. Immediately after my maternity leave, I went back to my employer and asked for my job back, and I got it. I took medicine to calm my tummy. I don't think I was functioning on all cylinders when I returned to work. But I had a family to support and I did it. I had been a good employee before all of this mess happened in my life. And one hour or one day at a time, I knew I could do it again. And with God's help, I did it. I went to ball games and ball practices so others could see that there was stability in our family. My kids were not going to be shortchanged because there wasn't a dad out there helping to coach. With only a few exceptions, I was with my kids for every program and every event at church or school and every game 
from Little League through high school. Gradually, all the church family began to accept me again. Time proves out many things that we don't need to say or explain. Time also heals, but God is the ultimate healer. We don't have to explain everything to everyone. God works on hearts, mine, yours, all of us who love him and want to live Christ-like lives. Well, welcome uh, to our little home away from home here, Diane. Thank you. And uh, I thank you, first of all, just before we start today, thank you for being willing to, uh, to do this. And uh, as, again, so much of what we typically say, um, I think most pastors and most preachers, so much of what we typically say, uh, even without thinking about it, based on our own context, refers to, to being um, uh, married and to to having kids at home or those kinds of things and sometimes we unintentionally uh, kind of push people out that, that we ought to be speaking to in a full way. So I'm so glad that you're willing to do, do this today. Could you kind of just maybe start at not the beginning of your life but kind of at the beginning point where you found yourself uh, uh, divorced and single as a young woman and kind of how you came to that place? Sure. Um, well, I got married when I was 19 years old. That's way too young. <laughs> um, I'm, I really want you to listen, young people. That's way too young. You are still a child <laughs> in many, many ways. But I got married very young. And um, this is what I knew about marriage. My parents were wonderful. Um, they loved God above everything else and they loved each other very much. I could see romantic love in their relationship, but I could also see an extreme amount of trust and confidence in each other. And um, a long time ago, there were a, a, lot, of, a lot of extended family was, was in this church, was in my church. And so I had a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles, and um, most of them, were married and Christian and very happily married and somehow I got in my mind that my marriage would be like that. That's what I thought of as marriage and that's what I thought my marriage would be like. Um, but it wasn't. <laughs> I, um, I was, when I married I was 19 as I said, I was a full-time uh, college excuse me, I was a full-time worker, and, and I was going to college um, at night. I was in my third year of, at the University of Houston. And um, so I, it was a busy life. We didn't, we didn't have children for five years. We adopted Jeff after we had been married for five years. And then, uh, as often happens, we had our own child. We had been married about, about eight years when Kathy was born. And, um, in the very beginning, I guess, maybe, things kind of seemed okay. Um, in about the, I'd say about the eighth year of our marriage, I knew that I was in a bad place, in a place that I needed to get out of. Um, I had a, a toddler and I had a, a newborn baby. 
I was on maternity leave when all of this kind of came together. And um, I don't know if you want me to go on from there, but, but that's, uh, I, I did go get my job back. But. And I'm sure with the background that you described earlier that you, you could have never imagined that you would wind up in that, no, in that no. predicament, that you would wind up in a, no. in a marriage that was broken. Mm -mm. And uh, no. husband had been never, unfaithful, and never crossed my mind. And divorce, even never, never a bad word, mind. and yeah, <laughs> and a very bad thing. A very uh, bad thing. That you experienced, yeah. and so you found yourself single. You right. you found yourself in in that scenario, and there there's there's some great comforting words and uh, in the Bible that that people use in different situations. Um, and and uh, something like this, one of the ones I think of is in Psalm 68, and I bet people use this with you. Psalm 68 verse 5 says that God is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. And this is God whose dwelling is holy. The next verse says God places the lonely in families, and he sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. We, we talked about that, that verse a little bit, that God's a father of the fathers and defender of the widows, and your response to me was, that's nice, but Jesus doesn't change the oil in your car. That's right. Um, that's right. So for, for people going, what? Uh, what, what? What does that mean to you? What? Well, I can tell you that I took some comfort in that verse because, because he was my comforter. He was my friend. I prayed all the time. I, um, I knew he was there with me. I was very, very um, confident that God was with me all the time. We had God in our home. We did. And, uh, but you find yourself where, where you, you kind of don't know which way to turn. Um, like, where were the insurance papers? I knew we had insurance, but where were they? And I think I said earlier in the video, how do you start the lawnmower? I mean, it's just things like that. You, you, you really need somebody to talk to you and to uh, listen to you and to um, try in some ways. I didn't expect anybody to come over and do all that stuff for me. I guess I just kind of expected somebody to be kind about it. And, and fortunately, I didn't say earlier, but... but um, when I divorced, I wasn't by myself. I had my daddy, and I had my, my stepmom died when I was 20. My mother died when I was 20, just six months after I married. But I had my, my daddy when I divorced, and, and I had gained a wonderful, wonderful stepmom. And um, some of you knew her. She was, she was absolutely wonderful. And she actually gave me $100 and said, go start your own bank account. <laughs> Um, I didn't, didn't even think about anything like that. So they were very helpful. I also had my brother and sister-in-law who would do anything for me or anything for my kids that needed to be done that they could do. And so I wasn't completely alone, but you do need some people with, with skin on. You know, That's you right. need some people who actually could help you hang curtains or could, you know, something. <laughs> something yeah, it's like not that. enough just to quote no. scripture. It, it isn't. Somebody needs to show up and, yes. and live out. Yes. Uh, what, what right. that is and what God's talking about to right. us there. And you, you'd found your, yourself, and we've talked, and, and you felt like the situation you're in, not that you were claiming perfection in your life, but you felt like you hadn't done anything morally wrong. That, Correct. That, Correct. You know, in this case, you'd been wronged and been betrayed. Right. But 
but still you found yourself divorced and there were people in the church that didn't necessarily communicate open arms to you. Can, can you talk about that a little bit? That's, that's true. Um, I will say that many people were very, were very kind and uh, in a little bit I think we'll talk about some, some things that happened that were, that were good uh, and very, um, very helpful to me. Um, but I did have a couple of instances and, and, and this will just show you what, what people think and I would just encourage you, if, if you are in my place or, or ever in my place, uh, and I hope, you, I hope that won't be the case, but, but you, you yourself need to keep a perspective about this because people don't know what to say. They want to, they want to be nice. They want to say something. It's really hard if you don't say something about it, but they don't know what to say. So often they say nothing, which makes you feel like they don't they don't care, and that's not true. People do care, they simply don't know what to say sometimes. Um, but I did, I'll just tell you a couple of kind of funny experiences that weren't exactly funny to me when they happened, but they are funny, <laughs> they're funny now. <laughs> um, there was a, a gentleman, a very nice man in our church who was probably just a little bit older than me and his kids were a little older than my kids and he divorced um, kind of the same thing happened to him as happened to me and he was not um, at fault at all in his divorce and, and he divorced and um, the ladies in the church would all bring him casseroles and their favorite baked goods you know and I'm thinking all the single ladies or no no oh, no older everybody. ladies okay. middle aged <laughs> ladies young ladies everybody <laughs> they would just you know they were just they just poured out their, their comfort kind of assuming that he didn't he wasn't strong enough to be uh, two parents, you know, and and I and he would t and the the ladies would take his daughter clothes shopping, and I thought nobody ever took Jeff clothes shopping, you know. It's I, I was perfectly uh, capable of taking my son to buy clothes, and um, I was kind of looked upon as capable of running a household and you know supporting us completely, and uh, I'm positive that I wasn't as financially as well off as this gentleman was, um, but it, it, it's, a, it's a perception, I think, sometimes that, uh, that women can just kick in there and do whatever needs to be done. And, um, well, you are the stronger, uh, stronger group. <laughs> this is not in what I wrote down, but let me tell you something. <laughs> My, uh, actually, I think it was Mary. Uh, McGinnis that gave me a little, um, you know, just a little book of sayings for every day, and I had one that I kept on my desk at work, and it said, um, I, I want to say this correctly, it said, a woman must do a job twice as well as a man in order to be thought half as good. Fortunately, this is not difficult. <laughs> <laughs> That's tough. Thanks, Diane. We appreciate it. Um, anyway, it, it just—it was a—it was a perception between yeah. a man and a, a woman that a woman could take care of all these things, and and actually sometimes was, we can't. Was there also um, some sense, though, that you felt like people were disappointed in yes. you? Yes. Yes. And and that maybe maybe even the God was. Yes, I, I felt like perhaps my marriage and my divorce particularly my divorce, was a disappointment to God. I, I understand, I know everything the Bible says about 
marriage and divorce. And, and I will say this um, to those of you who, who might have this arise in your life or have already had it happen to you in your life. Um, there are times when you're in a circumstance that you cannot do anything about. You cannot change that other person's mind. You can truly be a, a victim or the recipient of something that you never intended and wouldn't on your own do at all. And um, it took me a, a while to understand that and, and uh, be able to digest that and let that be a comfort to me. You, uh, but I did think, I did think that people were disappointed yeah. in me. And with all of that going on and, and the strength that you displayed and the help that you did have, though, you found, your, you found yourself in a really, really tough place and, and a place where uh, even though you had two great kids that you loved and they loved you, that and there's a lot of time when you just felt alone. I and uh, there's, a, there's a, uh, a verse that we talked about mm -hmm that you said kind of became a life verse for you, something that's just stuck with you and been, been helpful to you for so long. And maybe it's a familiar verse to some of us. It's found in Psalm 46, verse 1, where it says that God is our refuge and strength. And uh, the New Living says, always ready to help in times of trouble. Uh, some translations say an ever-present help in times of trouble. And, and that verse is especially meaningful to you then and now. And you told me a story where it really became strong and, 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 and became something that made a difference for you when you right. faced your hardest times. This, this is a verse that became um, just, just, it's in my DNA. <laughs> um, and it, and fortunately, I, I had this memorized and and used it over and over in my thought processes and in my prayers uh, before I ever married or divorced. And um, it, it happened because when I was 17, uh, my appendix ruptured. And according to the doctor, by the time I was uh, taken to surgery, they said it had been, or he said it had been ruptured about five days. And you can imagine, even in this day and age, that's a, that's a, a very difficult thing to deal with. But 50 plus years ago, um, medicine was not as, as advanced as it is today, and so that was a very, it was a very frightening thing. And I can remember my daddy actually carrying me on a Sunday. He carried me just like you'd carry a baby um, into the doctor's office, not not the hospital, but the the doctor's office. And then from there, uh, he did a blood test on me and said, obviously you. Your appendix is ruptured, and I said, could I go home and finish my English paper, and I'll come back in the morning? <laughs> and he said, no, 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 you've got to go, you've got to go to the hospital. I was a, a senior in high school. He said, you've got to go to the hospital right now. And so on Sunday, he did major surgery on me with only his office nurse. There had been no pre-planning for this, and it just was something that had to happen right then. So um, I was very sick. Um, I heard my daddy and um, the doctor talking when they thought I was unconscious. For some reason, I can, I can see them in my, in my mind's eye. I don't think my eyes were open, but the doctor was on this side, my dad was on this side, and they were talking over my bed. Well, let me tell you, sometimes people are not as unconscious as you think they are. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, maybe that's a takeaway from this. Uh, but, but Daddy asked uh, Dr. Harlan, that said uh, about 
if you had to give us a percentage, a chance, you know, of, of how, what, what percentage of a chance does she have to make it? And he said about 50-50. And I remember saying to myself, mm-mm, I, I, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make it. <laughs> I really am. Um, but, but that was the, kind of the predicament I was in. So after, after surgery, of course, I was in the hospital quite a long time. My mother had cancer by then and actually was really sicker than I was with appendicitis, but she stayed at the hospital as many hours as she could and just sat by my bed, and, and um, she did two things for me, and, and this is what I've taken some life lessons from. So if you can remember these things, it, it probably will, will help you. Um, the first thing that she would say is, Diane, look at the clock. What time is it? And I would say 10.30. And she'd say, do you think you could live until 11 o'clock? That's just 30 minutes. And I would say, yes. And so in 30 minutes, she would say, look at the clock. What time is it? And I would say 11 o'clock. And she would praise me and say, see there, you did it. You know, that's, you can do it again. You can do it for 30 more minutes, can't you? And so she literally talked me through not giving up, not, I mean, but not having to, to, I didn't have to do the ultimate struggle. I just had to do it incrementally. Mm. And that's something that's helped me a whole lot in, in my life. For instance, very good example, when I was sitting over there, I thought, in an hour, this will be over, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> but a lot of things. When you go to the doctor, instead of panicking over a shot, I always tell myself, two seconds. It's over in two seconds. Why do I get so upset about it? But, but it is a good, it's a good thing to learn that you can get through things, you will get through things. And, and you do have to take, take things just yeah. a portion at a time and not look at the whole task. When you start to kindergarten, you don't wanna be worried about graduating from college. You, you just go through it incrementally. So that's something that I really learned and, and I have especially applied it to hard things. You know, I can, I can get through this, this major event or this difficulty or this problem and in a week it won't seem as difficult as it seems today. And so that was something that, that she taught me along with probably keeping me alive. Um, the other thing was the verse. And, and of course it was, you know, it was King James Version. So I believe the way she quoted it to me all the time was, the Lord is my refuge and my strength, a very present help in time of trouble. And she would emphasize that very present help. In other words, he's here with us right now and, and, and he's not leaving. He's here right now and right now and right now. And literally, I, I would have to say that she just talked me through days. And, but I came out of it with those two takeaways, to know that nothing bad or good, for that matter, lasts forever, and you can get through things incrementally. And then that verse, is, it's just, it's above my telephone at home. It's, it's, it's up here. It's, you know, I've used it and thought of it thousands and thousands that, of times. That just, that's good preaching. That, that, <laughs> that, that just rings so true. I mean, it's so biblical. And you look at the stories, you look at the things Jesus said about faith and and. And it's about taking one step with him, mm-hmm. one step at a time. And not, you know, instead of saying, Jesus, fix this whole thing. Right. Jesus says to us, why don't you just take my hand and let's, let's do this right now. Right. And this and this. Let's move, let's move forward. So 
thinking about that. Can you live another 30 minutes? With God's help, I think I can do I think that. I can. For some of us here today, can you just can you get through today? today. And with God's help, I can. Not, don't worry about next Sunday. Let's just let's make it today. And, and God's the present help and strength. That, that's so good. Um, I, I want to address uh, how we can think about it as a church, um, dealing with with. Uh, particularly those of us that, that are in, in marriages and families, and then just as a church body as a whole, think about hindering or helping people that find themselves single, whether they're divorced or not. And uh, you kind of felt like it was important. You told me you were very busy in the church, and you'd been raised that way, and you were, you were doing ministry and, and helping out wherever you could. But you kind of hit a point here where you kind of felt like you needed to pull back from right. that a little bit. Right, I did. That, that that was important, and... and to use today's language, kind of create a, a new normal for yourself. Right. And uh, the, the, church, the church doesn't always know what to do. Right. The, do we know that? <laughs> the church doesn't always know what to do. And, and even when we do know what we should do, we don't always get it right. <laughs> okay? That's exactly right. The voice of experience speaks. Thank you, Linda. Look, I've had, I've had moments when, when, you know, I felt like the church let me or my family down when they didn't get it right. And, and I know that I've had moments where I didn't do everything I should have a, a, as a part of the church or as a pastor. Didn't always get it right. So the church can hinder or it can help. And obviously our goal is that we want to help. We want to help everybody, whatever their, their situation. So, But let's just first just maybe... You talked a little bit about it, but were there a couple of things that, that went on where the church was, was a hindrance? It was not encouraging. It was not helpful, your experience. Yeah. I, I mean, I told about the one situation with, with that gentleman and how, and how it's just like they, they looked right over me, right past me, you know, to help other people. Um, but there was another situation that, that is now humorous that, and, and actually, to be very honest with you, it was kind of humorous to me when it happened, but... Um, we were having a night VBS. My kids were little, and um, I was in the fellowship hall area of the church down on the floor cutting out crafts for the VBS kids for that day. And um, I had already, I think I had run at least twice. I had a big old white station wagon. I had run at least two, two trips to pick up kids to bring them to VBS, and, and then I'm down on the floor cutting all this stuff out, and this lady walks through. She was an older lady, and... and you know, the thing you have to remember is that she didn't know, she, she didn't know what happened between Sundays at my house. <laughs> and I understand that. She only saw us on Sundays. But she, she just looked down at me and she said, you know, nobody has done anything in this church since you divorced your husband and he left. And I went, I'm, I'm sorry, okay. <laughs> I just, I didn't say anything because I didn't really know what to say. But you know, that's, that's hurtful when, when you feel like you're doing the best you can right then. But, but anyway, it's, it's kind of one of those things where you think about the source. And she didn't understand. She really didn't. And so, but, but things like that are things that sometimes come out of our mouths that we ought to think about and check ourselves before we say. Um, but then there were all, on the opposite side of that, there were some people who were wonderful to me. But there were uncomfortable moments. Were, there were, were uncomfortable there, moments. Did you find that, that uh, m sometimes married couples didn't quite know what to right. 
whether to include you yeah. or not include you. And I, I was, I don't think I've said this earlier, but um, I believe that I was separated, ooh, I don't know, about 16 months, I guess, before, before my divorce was final. So during that 16 months, I, I wasn't single, but I wasn't married. I didn't fit anywhere. I felt, you know, I felt like the odd man out everywhere. Um, and, and, and that's, you know, some of that is expected, and some of it is just what you have to go through. And basically, you just have to buck up and do it and get through it. Um, but it, it is an awkward, it is an awkward situation. And, and uh, we had a lot of couples, friends. And, and so, where did, you know, where did I fit? It's, I think I made the women uncomfortable. Only God knows why. But, you know, I mean, it was just a, it was an awkward thing. And then the other thing that I noticed right away, so it was that people always felt like if I went out to have dessert or coffee with them after church on a Sunday night, they thought they had to pay for me. And I'm like, would you get in the car and go if you couldn't pay for yourself? I wouldn't. And, and so it's, you know, you know people are trying to be nice, but it, it's, it's just awkward. It's not bad. I'm not saying people were terrible. I'm just saying it was awkward. You're just in an awkward place, and you have to gradually get back into a new normal, yeah. as you said. And you said that, that, that you, you pulled back for a little while, mm -hmm. but then then you felt like, you know, I'm a part of the church. I'm called by God to do things just like right. everybody is, no matter their situation. Yeah. And you said there were five things that, that you did. And I don't know if I can remember them, but I can look on here. Yeah. But the, the yeah. first thing I, I remember <laughs> getting into, because this is something, I don't know if Garen's in here or not, but in Rhonda, this is, this is something nobody's going to fight you on. I, I started by working with the kids. You know, people mm -hmm. are less judgmental. I didn't want to... I had been, I had been, kids are, uh, less kids, kids are less judgmental, okay, yeah. and, and kids just knew I was Miss Diane, they didn't know I was married, I was single, I was just Diane, and that's the way I like to be thought of, um, but I, that's one of the first things I did was, was to um, start, and instead of trying to figure out where I fit in with adults, I thought, well, I'll, I'll work in the children's area. My kids are in the children's area, and so I'll just work and kind of know what's going on with them. But I didn't work directly with them, just kind of around, around them, maybe in another part of the, of the uh, children's area. And, and then my parents um, ran the bus ministry at that time. And so I would go on Saturday mornings and with my dad and my, well, mostly my stepmom and I, we would go um, and hand out candy to kids that we were going to pick up on Sunday, you know, that Daddy and Winnie were going to go pick up on Sunday. And so I, I did that. That was something that I could do that I thought was worthwhile. And again, nobody was being judgmental in any way. And I'll have to look up the others, or you can say them. You, the, the next, you talk about making friends with other people who you felt like oh, might be in your situation. That, yeah, people that I thought were, were having a hard time fitting in. I, I just tried to associate with them, and, and it made... Sorry, I'm not used to having this mic on. <laughs> uh, I, could, I could relate to how they felt, being new or being in a new situation or something like that. Um, and so if, if I could befriend them, then, then each of us had a little bit of a comfort level, you know, and, and to, to go to things and stuff. And gradually the people of the church did begin to, to invite us as a family, my kids and I as a family, you know, to go to dinner on Sunday at their house or something like that. And but it was a gradual, it was a gradual process. And, and eventually, some of the people that you had struggled with, they 
started putting confidence in you again and Absolutely. maybe the Lord was helping them to see Absolutely. what well, they time, should do. Well, time takes care of those things. You don't yeah. have to go around and explain your situation to everybody. Time takes care of all of that. It just, just do what's right. And this is what my stepmom told me. Just do what's right and leave the rest to God. And, and uh, I think that's the best that's the best approach. That's too simple. We need to complicate it a little bit more. <laughs> we should try to figure out something, something nope. much more complicated than that, than to do the right thing and trust God. Um, you said you prayed a lot. I prayed and, a lot. Uh, but I, I, I did want to ask you about something that, that I'm sure is, over the years has been a part of your life related to maybe family members or people in the church. And that's just their, maybe their desire to, to uh, fix you up with somebody. Oh, yeah. Just got awkward in the room. Um, and uh, so, you know, I'm sure dating was, it was a factor. I mean, and you probably went on some good dates and some bad dates. And uh, I'm just curious, is there, is there ever any chance that, you know, maybe you, you met a guy or, and, and you said, uh, hey, I just met you and this is crazy. <laughs> but... Here's my number. Call me, maybe. Did you? Did you ever do that? I never did uh, that. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thought. <laughs> I never did it. The song wasn't out then, so I didn't know. <laughs> did uh, Did you ever go on any, any awkward dates? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> do I have to talk about? Not I don't necessarily. Talk about it. Just, <laughs> maybe later somebody might want to. Yeah. If you want to know privately, I might hear, tell you. But hear a little bit about no, it or, no, or something. No. <laughs> you know, no. Maybe some bad breath stories or something. I don't know. Just <laughs> So the church didn't always get it right, but um, there were folks that, that did help. And you've alluded Absolutely. to it a little bit. And, yeah. and maybe you could uh, give us another highlight or two of, 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 of people in the church helping out. Well, one thing that was helpful to me... Um, I had to explain it a little bit to these guys. Uh, I had to help them help me a little bit more. But there were a group of young guys in the church. Most of them were married. Some were not. And they would always offer to take Jeff, my son, to, you know, to watch him practice baseball or, uh, you know, they, the softball team here at church. They would take him to watch and, and take him to basketball games and Astros games and stuff like that. And so I did have to finally say, look, if you want to help me, then you need to take Kathy too because this isn't giving me any time off. <laughs> and uh, and besides, I, said, I mean, I say that to be kind of funny, but the, the truth of the matter was she needed to see what a daddy was like, a good daddy, a good man was like, just as much as he did. And, and so they, they took her, and um, she was about two and a half the first time they took her. <laughs> I think it was a basketball game. And remember these little vent windows? in cars, you know, when you used to open the oh, vent, yeah. okay. Boy, that's... It was a long time ago. That's going back, that's good. <laughs> but I do remember them. I, used, I got my hand stuck in one one Did time. Did you? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> the guys locked the keys in the car when they went to the basketball game. So Kathy's little, little bitty arm was the only tool that would fit in when they managed to get that vent window open and so she could reach in there and unlock the door or grab the keys or something. I don't know what she did, but she, some of them she still sees occasionally, and she reminds them of that. But <laughs> she remembers it very well. So they, they did a good thing for me and, and, and also uh, 
a good thing for her. She needed to see all of, all of those things there, as well. There's four things I, that, uh, that you said that the church can do to help uh, single parent homes be successful, and I want you to, to hit on those in a second. But there's another thing that, quickly, I remember saying it, that's even current for you today. You say now, uh, being single, and sometimes you get the sense of whether a group of people, and maybe most of them are married or whatever, are going to go do something, mm -hmm. and whether or not they're not sure, should we include, should we not, or whatever. And one of the things you've just done is that I like is you just invite yourself. I just say, can I go with you? <laughs> just go. Yeah. Just get in there and go. Because sometimes people don't people. know. and so I mean, now, as long as I've been single, as long as I've been here and knowing most everybody pretty well, it's not a big deal anymore. But I, but I, I did used to do that. And, and, of course, they wanted me to go. They always wanted me to go. They just didn't know how to say it. You know, do, you, do we have to pay for you if you go? <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah. so um, <laughs> it, I just hate stuff like that. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, I would just kind of invite myself. Just, just, I mean, you just have to regain your, your self-confidence. You've got to be, I learned so much. I, I don't have to be a wimp anymore. I, just, I mean, I developed my own personality, and I, I became Diane instead of Spencer's wife. You know, mm -hmm. I, I just, it was a good thing. Not, divorce is not a good thing. It was a, God helped me to use it for good. I'll, I'll say it that way. He helped me to use it for good. I don't recommend it to anybody. I'm not saying, you know, run home and get out of the mess you're in. That's not what I'm saying at all. But I am saying that there are bad things that happen to you, but God can use them in your life for good if, if you will be positive about it and let him do that. And, and I didn't do that on the first day or month, you know, right. believe me. It took a, it took a while. Yeah. Uh, what this did is I what say? maybe you, you thought that the church could okay. do. To help. Okay. Keep in mind that all homes are not two parents, two kids, and a dog. Okay. There's a lot of homes that are not like what we consider the normal home. Um, and it doesn't mean divorce all the time either. You can be widowed. You can just be single, never have gotten married. It's, it's just, just remember as a church that all homes are not um, what we consider to be normal. Um, be loving and open in communication for those that we know are hurting. And sometimes there's gonna be people you don't even know are hurting. So I think just to be open to people is, is a, and learn about them is a good thing and, and help them where you can. Uh, as a church, and I think we do a pretty good job of this, offer ministries and events that are easy for single parents and singles in any situation to take advantage of. And I, I think we do a good job of that, I really do. Uh, I, that's not a something I, I'm saying we need to work on. It's just something that's really good. Uh, and encourage proper relationships with those singles with whom we work. I think we need to be careful um, when we're working with single people. Don't always try to fix them up and all that kind of stuff. God can take care of things like that. He didn't for me, but... <laughs> <laughs> I think he can. <laughs> yeah. um. There are some uh, things that, that I, in, in reflecting on, on your life experience, Diane, that, and, uh, and observations in Scripture that are, I think, important realities for all of us that I just want to hit real quickly. And uh, I think these ring true in Scripture, and I've observed them in Diane's life for the 12 and a half years that uh, I've had the privilege of, of knowing her and being a part of the body of Christ uh, with her. And, and the first of those is that serving changes things. If, if, you're, if you're feeling alone or lonely or neglected in any way, 
and, and just as a Christian, call, the best thing you can do is to start serving and helping other people. And that will change your perspective on things. Uh, Galatians chapter 6, uh, Paul talked about it this way. He said, Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. That's how we should respond to anybody who finds himself in trouble, even if it's their fault. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. And then this verse, share each other's burdens, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. And if you think you're too important to help someone, you're only fooling yourself. You're not that important. And then pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done. And you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. That's something the enemy wants us to do all the time, is compare our situation and ourselves to others. For we're each responsible for our own conduct. And that's what Diane decided to do. By the grace of God and the help of God, she was going to take responsibility for her life and let God, let God use her and help her. Another thing I've seen in Diane's life that is not easy for any of us, no matter what our status is, is to live in a, in a place of contentment, of having true peace in our lives. And uh, the Apostle Paul, we know that he wrote uh, some of his letters from, from prison, including the letter to the Philippians. And uh, I don't think we know with any certainty whether or not Paul was married or single. It sure seems that he was lonely a lot. And uh, I'm, I'm sure being in prison and traveling all over the place like he did, that, that was the case. And he went through a lot of adversity and a lot of tough things. And from prison, he wrote in Philippians chapter 4, verse 10, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. And I know you've always been concerned about me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. For I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. And I know how to live on almost nothing <laughs> or with everything. And I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. And here's a verse that a lot of people quote and some people tattoo on their arms, but don't always put it in context. And here's the secret to having peace in your life, not just getting what you want, but to having contentment even if you're in a prison cell or if you're alone and you don't want to be alone. It's this, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. That's how we can have peace and contentment. And I've, I've seen that um, in, in Diane's life. But I have also know that, that we're not trying to whitewash things here. And whether we're married, single, or in between or hurting or never been or whatever our situation today loneliness loneliness is a part of life some of us uh, have a lot of a lot of people that surround us but at times feel feel very alone uh, everyone experiences that to some degree jesus certainly knew loneliness you look at before his earthly ministry began and he's 40 days in the wilderness and alone being tempted and being tested by the enemy there were times when when he's with all of his disciples and they just are not getting it at all they're missing the message they're missing the point and he's like the only one that understands what god's trying to say and communicate there were times when he had to pull out and pull away in order to gain strength because sometimes we have to be alone to to hear from god clearly 
And God used that in his life. But I want to read these, these words to you from Hebrews chapter 4 that lets us each know that, that Jesus fully identifies with us. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14 says this, So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. And this high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. And so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Diane, you, you alluded to it just a moment ago, but you said something powerful to me a few days ago about um, defining your life. And uh, I wanted you to kind of remind me what that was. You talked about that I'm not defining my married? life. That I'm not single or married? Is that what you're talking about? For, <laughs> that I'm, yeah, that you, that you don't, yeah, that's not how you It doesn't yourself. define me. Being single doesn't define me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm Diane. I, I'm just Diane. I'm just a person. And, and each of us here is just a person. It doesn't, I don't think it adds to or takes away from us what our marital status is or what many other statuses, maybe, maybe poverty, maybe wealth. I don't think those things add to us or take away from us. I think we are who we are and, and we need to be who we're supposed to be in God. And um, I'm in no way saying that I'm there. I'm just saying that I'm still trying and, and that's what we all need to do. But we need to be who God wants us to be, um, whatever that is. And it, it, it may change over the course of your life, too. It did for me. And let the Lord and our relationship with him define us, right. not the labels not that the everybody labels would, that put that people would put on us. That's so good. Diane, I want you to do something for us. I want you to, uh, to pray for us. Uh, pray for our church. Um, I want you to pray for single, married, younger, older, everybody, everybody here. And... Uh, and, and pray for God's uh, will to be done in our lives and for us to allow him uh, to be our refuge and our strength. Okay. Our God and Savior, we come to you today um, as a group of people who have taken this time in our life to, in our day to come to this house of worship and acknowledge who you are. I pray, Lord, that you would be with every person in this room, from the youngest one to the very oldest one, and help us to accept the fact that you love us. You love us exactly where we are right now. We may not be where we're supposed to be, but you love us exactly where you are, and you want to help us get to that point of where you want us to be. And I do pray, Lord, for single people today. I know that it's not... Um, Oh, in, in many ways, it's probably not um, as fun, maybe, as rewarding or whatever as being in a, in a very good marriage, but it is where, you, where some of us are, some because of our own choices and some just because that's what happened to us. But I pray, Lord, that you'd let us put all those things aside and just say, what can I be in Christ today? And uh, I thank you, Lord. Uh, there are so many things I could thank you for. 
that have occurred in my life because of the circumstances that I've had. And uh, many of them, I, I wouldn't trade for anything. I, I, I just wouldn't. And uh, I know, Lord, that you know what all those things are. And uh, you know the points that have been difficult. And you know that you're the one that's brought me through those. And, and also loving friends and family have helped me, Lord. And I pray that you would be with the single people in this church, Lord. Be with the married couples. Be, us all, be with us all so that we just, we're just a group of people loving each other. And together, hopefully, showing Christ's love, not to just other people in this church, but to the community, to our neighbors, to our extended family, to our friends. Thank you, Lord, for, for the staff of this church. Thank you for, for everything that we have here, Lord. You've been so gracious to us. Help us to use it over and over and over again to the glory of God. Thank you for, for this day. Thank you for every person that's here, Lord. And I pray a special blessing, Lord, on each person that we would remember that we need to strive to be what you want us to be, and we can only do that with your help. Thank you for your many, many blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Diane, so much. Thank you. Thank you. We're going to uh, close our service in a, in a couple of moments with uh, praise and worship, but uh, before we do that, we're going to give... Uh, our offerings as a part of our worship and as you prepare to do that uh, I want to give you just a couple of uh, of uh, exciting things going on I want to if you didn't see it on Facebook I want the, the church body to, to be aware we a couple of weeks we did close on the 17 acres of property that's uh, out in uh, just beyond Fairfield where the new Grand Parkway is uh, coming in in the next uh, year or so and now we just got to continue to pray for the establishment of new ministry that God wants for us there to make a difference in people's lives. And a second thing that is happening this week, uh, our South Texas uh, Church in the Nazarene District Assembly, where the 90-some churches uh, across South Texas and the Church of the Nazarene come together uh, to celebrate and to be accountable to one another. But one of the special events that happens uh, each year at that, there's an ordination service of people who have completed the experience necessary and the educational requirements necessary, and they feel called to a uh, a life of vocational ministry and uh, our own uh, volunteer lay uh, care pastor Michelle Anderson will be ordained at that assembly Thursday night that's at 7 o'clock at Living Word Church in the Nazarene over on Clay Road I invite all of you to come to that service and celebrate uh, God's uh, blessing on uh, Michelle and her future ministry so uh, we want to celebrate that together and I, I hope you'll do that Let's continue to worship the Lord right now. 